Hey, welcome to Dip and Tail, baby. A casual conversation with professional artists. I'm your host, Sid Williams. As you walk through the doors of Manic Contemporary and you look left, there's a Dan Flavin exhibition. Right in front of you is a John Chamberlain. And as you round the corner to get down the stairs to the basement to go to Z Beale's studio, there's a beautiful exhibition on Ray Smith's studio in Mana Decentralized. And now that we're in the basement and we're rounding the corner, we're coming across Z Beale's studio. And here we are at Studio B37. So I had a studio in Red Hook, Brooklyn, that flooded in Hurricane Sandy in 2012. Mm. And I curated a flooded art show with the other people I shared my studio with. And I went around and did studio visits with a lot of artists who were affected. So we had about 25 people in the show. And we had a silent auction and a huge party with a bunch of live music and DJs. And we tried to raise all of this money and through that I met all of these people and you know did studio visits with them shared all of this flooded work that we exhibited in That's amazing. decay and one of those artists was Ray Smith and we'd already known each other for a few years but meeting each other in the wake of the hurricane when both of our studios had been like entirely decimated was a, Not good. <laughs> a kind of coming together point of a, you know, a, a new kind of bond. And I had been invited to a couple residencies immediately after the storm that were offering kind of resources to affected artists. Mm -hmm. And Ray called me on the phone and said that he had worked out this kind of relationship with Mana and that they were going to give him a show and he was trying to help them get some visibility as they were opening their doors and really going public as a studio space. And Eileen Kaminsky was opening up um, a residency program as part of her foundation. And it was for artists who were affected by the storm initially. And you've been here since? Yeah, since, two, since spring of 2013, when I started as a resident of Eileen's foundation. That's amazing. Did you go to school? I went to uh, Wesleyan for undergraduate, and I didn't go back to school after that. <laughs> Amen, so I'm with you. I was born in Tribeca in 1985, so uh, you know I lived in a rent-controlled loft uh, with a manual freight elevator, and my parents were deeply creative people. My dad was an artist who worked as a commercial photographer and my mom was an art dealer dealing 19th century European paintings. I have a little brother, Walker, who uh, makes a lot of stop motion animation. He's also an artist. But I think that it was quite clear growing up that being an artist wasn't necessarily a professional label in my family. It was something that everybody had spiritual relationship to. Yeah. And the idea of, you know, art as a practice and the most kind of fundamental aspect of that uh, word felt um, like a reality, I guess, because I remember being, you know, a few years old and my dad bringing me to his studio and just unrolling a huge roll of seamless and giving me some pain, just letting me do my thing while he did his thing. Yeah. And I think 
yeah, that's been sort of, as I've grown older and reflected more, I think kind of an unusual um, upbringing. Upbringing, yeah, or just uh, in one that was deeply formative, yeah. I totally relate. My mom also let me draw all over the walls, and any I drew before I talked, mm-hmm. and they never dampened that, and so I respect that. With so much information. How do you choose what to reference when all of our information is immediate and oversaturated? Do you think that affects the dialogue now? Yeah, it must. I mean, I I think that it asks artists and any user to be their own agent and chase their own line of inquiry. So in some ways, it's sharpening your critical thinking skills because um, you have to really figure out why you care and what you're interested in. And that is a more kind of active role to play than just I'm reading the New York Times today. Yeah, Yeah, of course, of course. So I think that, you know, there's there's no fake news in art, you know? It's no. like there's a bunch of bullshit no matter where you look. Yeah, it's either, <laughs> it's either quality or shit. So I think, <laughs> I, you know, it, it's been really amazing for me to blindly kind of follow a lot of painting that I like. And mm-hmm. I make a lot of sculpture, but I realized over the past two years, I've really been um, more closely looking at painting and now I'm thinking in my studio, I'm like itching to paint. And I'm thinking, wow, it's because I spent the last few years culling all this imagery. And I finally spent like four hours the other night going through all the saved posts and organizing them by artist and gallery and looking at what I was looking at. Mm-hmm. But it was such a gift to be able to look so innocently and thoughtlessly and yeah. then to track that and have a record and be able to use it as an archive and notice the kind of things that have drawn me over and over. Yeah, and it's a living timeline. Yeah. Which is, I also agree with you as a gift. Yeah. Um, so in a way, I wonder how much also just having access to your own photos, to your own like visual thought process over yeah, the years. It helps you understand everything. Helps you understand the way that you're looking and thinking about your work because so many artists just didn't have that tool. But then in, in other ways, it also is this like overwhelming. Yeah. It's just muddier. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean there's not a richness to it. It's just more sifting through the mud. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of your influences? Oh, man. I think that, like, again, because of where I grew up in Tribeca in the 90s or in the 80s, it, there was such a amazing kind of atmosphere of play that was enacted by adults around me. And so all of my friends' parents and my parents' friends were people who spent the majority of their day either making music or art or, or writing. And their relationship to parenting was like, damn, I get to be a kid again through my kid's experience, you know? And so there was a real allowance for imagination and that was the kind of defining fabric of the community. And it 
meant that, you know, we all made our Halloween costumes yeah. together and, you know, had these parades and like a lot of parties that were really intense and, you know, like <laughs> there, this kind of like, um, like YOLO spirit. <laughs> and I think that, that all of that really gave me the feeling that you can take influence from anywhere. And so literature was, um, really important to me at an early age because it was an access point for experience beyond my own. And I, I did live in like, um, a pretty privileged bubble. And mm -hmm. so understanding life and sexuality and all of these aspects of class identity and race that I didn't have language for as a child through literature, through words was like hugely erotic and overwhelming mm -hmm. and I'm sure there were there were visual elements to my experience but like I said my mom dealt 19th century paintings so I grew up with a lot of yeah. them in, in my house and yeah. she would sell ones like you know pay for college whatever it was like this yeah um this again like kind of piece of the way that I understood reality that I'll probably never be able to really ascertain the entirety of the impact of you know how has social media and the internet changed the conversation in the art world? You know, I feel like this is a difficult question for me to answer because I don't spend a lot of time on the internet. That said, obviously, there's an immediacy to social media that I think requires people to be more self-aware about their audience and were aware of their audience but uh because i feel like the idea of documentation was always so kind of front and center with art and art school when you're learning about your work and sharing your finished work like what it means to kind of do it justice this notion has really been like thrown, thrown, out the thrown out the window. And so the idea of sharing work in progress and sharing work with just a more casual kind of flippant lens into your studio practice has been interesting because I think it's allowed more cross-pollination between artists. And so when you start investigating certain themes that show up, for instance, in like figurative painting, like a new trend towards mythology, for instance, you can really see a huge cadre of artists who are all following each other and all kind of constantly in dialogue around similar themes. Yeah. And that may not have been so easy to witness. Yes, or facilitate. From the outside, or yeah. facilitate, yeah. Just to have a platform where like-minded people can kind of bounce off no matter where you are. But I, I, yeah, so I guess it brings location into question because I, I, what I would say is based on what you're talking about, it really does seem like there was a smaller community and so it was easier for people to go to each other's studios more yeah. often and hang out and have the kind of conversation in person that now we're having on Instagram. The notion that everyone has a platform is amazing, but also complicated. Yeah, leveling the playing field in terms of like exposure is amazing. Yeah. And being able to follow work that's being made across the world so easily is amazing. Do you think most artists are talking to themselves today? Or do you think 
that there's just so many conversations that there is no need for a big arching movement type conversation of our generation. Are you asking if I think there is an overarching thrust to the conversation or if there's a need for one? Both. I think there's always going to be more than one thing happening at the same time and that's the beauty of the world. Mm -hmm. So to, to kind of force everybody to get on board <laughs> uh, with like environmentalism <laughs> as like, you know. The end all be all. Right, yeah. um, feels contrived like the political issues of our our generation, and by our generation, I really mean like everybody who's alive right now, are becoming so much more obvious, I think. Like the, the thrust of our conversation, our dialogue as a world, like globally feels m more simple and intense than it did when I was born in the middle of a boom, right? Yeah. And um, growing up with sort of a wool over my eyes around 90s kind of um, ideology and a lot of like enthusiasm around capitalist growth. Yeah, like. I mean, pre 9-11 too. Mm -hmm. It was just the world very much changed. And there is an air of mistrust and maybe instead of let's have an overarching conversation, I just mean are truthful artists speaking to truthful artists in a genuine fashion. And I think a lot of people are just shouting out their truth onto platforms um, and maybe just looking for that validation instead of giving the perspective of listening or adding more people to the conversation. So it's not just this shout out that kind of just echoes on. Um, I don't know if I'm alone in this perspective. I'm not even sure if this is my fully formed perspective. It's more of just a feeling I have because like you, I, I'm not trying to brand myself on the internet. So it is an interesting time to be an artist and still try and be an independent artist and still try and make it without the clout of I'm branded myself and I'm going to stick to this theme and I'm going to make making myself cool my craft. Yeah, I think I would argue that no matter what you think about branding or outward facing content, anything that you put online is, as I was saying before, like pretty audience aware. Mm -hmm. And I think it's not a good place for truth in mm. the way that you're talking about, like having a conversation that's brutally honest with somebody else who you trust. Because I think that there's a lot of people who are gonna read or, or witness your work or your message around your work who are coming from other places that, and you don't necessarily have a sense of their context for you or your context for them. And so I think, I think that there are very few people who are good at, at speaking truth to an audience that is that abstract and anonymous. Right? Yeah. And so it's more often than not that content that's on social media feels really like designed in order to Exist. build up yeah. your own kind of self-image to the public. 
And so I don't think it's a really great place in that way to have an honest conversation between artists. But I, I don't, I think it can still work as a tool to connect you to artists who then you can have those conversations with. I just don't think that a really honest conversation. conversation will happen yeah. in the public sphere. Yeah. You know, even when you read interview artist interviews, I mean, some of them are amazing, but it, it tends to be that the interviewer and the artist already have enough of a, a relationship to speak of and an intimacy and a bond established that then they can get to a pithy conversation. What I wanted to say about the the question you asked is that I think that our generation is really creating work and dealing with social media in relationship to their work as a reaction to media, mm -hmm. period. And I think art education also has the opportunity now to be a topic of conversation in a way that it hasn't been before because as social media levels the playing field and as art becomes less about the commercial market and more about like looking beyond class and access and looking at the fact that everybody is being creative all the mm -hmm. time regardless of their profession right to a different extent right mm -hmm. there's a spectrum of creativity and there's art being made everywhere every day by anyone yeah and and it should as absolutely but as that kind of happens then the idea that you know the artist is an identity yes. and it needs to be protected and it needs to be elite and limited is just like a kind of a useless yeah it's very outdated thank you z for being here sure yeah Thanks do you have any any platforms that you want to plug people into make them aware of any shows or anything we can edit this out too i just <laughs> wanted to give you any space for yeah no um i mean you can find my work on my website or on Instagram and it's just zbeal.com at zbeal. Um, I, yeah, I have a film coming out this year and I'm developing a feature um, that I hope to shoot next year in Italy. So amazing. There's a lot of yeah. work in the works. Cool. Very cool. Very, work yeah. in the works is where it needs to be. Yeah. That's awesome. I can't you wait gotta, until it's in the world. You gotta keep looking, keep following, because it's gonna take me a while. <laughs> it's been years, so. I don't That's know. I, I haven't had a show since 2015. I mean, I did a performance here yeah. recently. I like yeah. do things, but I haven't had a formal exhibition since then. And it's been really like time to rethink your entire practice. Mm -hmm. And special, but also it's a lot. I feel ya. I feel ya. Thank you, Ian Exine, for sound mixing and editing. I'm Sid Williams. This is Tip and Tell. <laughs>